Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. August 26, 2021, the final week of August here. This is the Mike Abadir Show. Your co-host, Gino Bacola, alongside the main man, Mike Abadir. And when when the calendar gets ready to turn to September, you know what you know that means? It means football. We can feel football in the air just two weeks away, I believe, from the kickoff of the NFL season, finishing up the preseason right now. Hard knocks going on. So people, uh, we finalized uh, a lot of our fantasy leagues. I think we've got one more to fill a couple spots in. It's football in the air. But Mike, last night it was baseball that sort of stole the show. And we're going to talk some baseball with our first guest in a few minutes. Uh, The Dodgers and Padres had the crazy game. Were you up watching it? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that was an exciting, as exciting of a game as it gets, where one team gets only four hits in it 16 innings. Such an ugly game, right? It was, there, there were. When I say cool, exciting, I'm talking about like tense moments. Yeah, it felt very much like a game. playoff game, right? Yes. It felt important. Yes. These two teams have a rivalry. They've had some games, not, not like this, because there hasn't been a 16 inning game since the new format of extra innings no, the in fact, longest prior to last night was 13 13 and there's only been i think less than 10 of them that even went that long and so this was just it was almost a comedy of errors at times it's like who can find a way to get picked off in a, in a more weird way or like run into a base running error or just there was one point in the game where the dodgers actually no hit the padres they they there was a nine inning stretch where the padres didn't get a hit <laughs> in like the middle of the game yeah <laughs> which is like does that count as a no hitter you know they threw nine innings of no hit ball at one point there were some just insane um 52 players uh on the two active rosters appeared in the game there there was uh um you know then you had like tatis like over six he comes up and hits a two-run homer the dodgers take a three-run lead a three-one lead in the 15th and then the Padres come right back to tie it. So nobody scored from the ninth to the 15th. Then in the 15th, they both score two and the Dodgers come back though. And they, uh, they win it. It was, it went, I mean, some of the numbers, they had 11 intentional walks or there were 11 I, I, intentional walks. In that game. Eight by I, the Dodgers. I could not, I, it, it, that was the most since 1955. And I got to yep. wonder who was that Mickey Mantle and the Yankees or what? I'd be very interested to find out who, uh, did that back in 1955, and you know this what? was a great, great baseball by by Roberts. He gets he gets maligned for a lot of mistakes that he makes, and we've we've critiqued him or praised him for things that he's done well. And last night was a game where he he took it very seriously. He's looking around at the the Giants now. He's still chasing them, still two and a half behind them. They just keep winning. This Padres team, you're kind of able to like. I, I think he feels like you just don't want to face the Padres in a wild card game. You know, this is a team you don't want to have to play in a one game situation. So put your foot on their throat a little bit and make it harder because now the Padres are not in the wild card as of today. The Dodgers would be playing the Reds if the playoffs were to start today in a one game playoff to try to get in. And then one of them would end up playing the Giants, right? Because they've got the best record. So that would end up uh, that'd, that'd be that'd be fun. But 
this this was one of the cooler uh, cooler games, and it was just bizarre, like weird little dinkers, weird little errors here and there. Kenley picked up his thousandth career strikeout. Uh, just like we, they they run out of position players, and so then they just have to start throwing. Uh, they have to have pitchers hitting. And that's where Roberts had to, Roberts was able to exploit that, and he he was able to force them to make the pitchers hit, where he would walk multiple batters to load the bases repeatedly, just to to attack the pitchers. And you got to get lucky, and the margin for error is small because you have to throw strikes. You can't throw a pass ball or a wild pitch, or you make an error and the game is over. But <laughs> the Dodgers were able to win, and uh, it was it was crazy. Anytime these two teams get together, it's pretty crazy. I wonder what Kyle thinks uh, about the uh, this this rivalry because it's bec- it's become fun. But the Padres got to stop worrying about you know necessarily the Dodgers, and they just got to start winning some games because they have been really struggling. I believe we have a guest on the line, Mike. Yeah, and you know, to add to what you're saying, and obviously our uh, next guest here is very intimately involved with the uh, San Diego Padres. Uh, but before we get to him, one thing I wanted to point out because you mentioned a lot of the numbers that came out of yesterday's game. And by the way, guys, we did not even touch scratch the surface on how many either milestones or quirky things happened in last night's game. I'll be very interested to see uh, Tim Kirchner's weekly column because he's mm-hmm. always able to spot oh, yeah. these nuggets and and put them in a piece where. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. I can't believe that it's been since this year or that year, um, even down to like personal milestones like Kenley Jensen uh, got his thousandth career strikeout. Not bad for a guy who comes in for an average of uh, two or three outs a game. Right. The uh, other interesting stuff I'll save for our guest. He's been with us before, covers the Padres, covers baseball at large, covers the prospects, you name it. He's been on with us several times before from Baseball America, Cog Laser. Kyle, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Hey, Kyle. Doing all right. Happy to be back on with you guys. Yeah, man. So you had a late night last night, right? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't uh, actually at the game. I was at the Padres Philly Series uh, doing some work on a feature all weekend, and I was actually home just working on this feature. So I wasn't there last night, but Obviously, I was paying attention, seeing what happened, and crazy, crazy, crazy game on on so many levels. First and foremost, a great win for the Dodgers. Again, they're chasing the Giants. They can't really afford too many slip-ups, and something to come out and win that one was certainly a boon for them. For the Padres, uh, just talk about a gut punch. They've now lost 11 of their last 13, and it's hard to see things turning around the way things are going. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that you got to be disappointed in as a uh, Padres fan, uh, if not even the players, is that they've kind of been lacking um, healthy arms uh, for for some of the season, at least. And the pitching has not been what hasn't lived up to the billing. So just the other day, they fired their pitching coach, who's been in the game for a very, very long time, uh, Larry Rothschild. And one of the things that I was kind of thinking about was, okay, if they get their pitching together here, they're going to have a nice September. Let's see how this all goes. Maybe this gets everybody refocused. And then Snell comes out and pitches one of his better games uh, of the season. And it wasn't the pitching yesterday. It was it was timely hits and hitting and and a lot of offers, et cetera. That, to me, is the beauty of baseball. It's the irony, isn't it? 
I mean, I don't know if it's beautiful. The Potters are being, you know, are struggling so much on both ends of it. And you're right. A lot of attention has been paid to this pitching staff, and rightly so. Uh, they have a 5.51 ERA during this current 2-11 and skid. And up until, you know, you Darvish came off the, coming off the IL today, they've really been going with two starters and three bullpen games to get through every five days. You know, Snell and Musgrove are only two healthy starters. Weathers has essentially been a bullpen game whenever he started, and most recently it was a bullpen game. They brought him in after Craig Stammen. Um, they just haven't had the healthy arms. Now, what hasn't helped is the offense has hit 187 during this stretch where they've lost 11 of 13. It's not like they're hitting and the pitching just let them down. It's been double-sided here. Um, the pitching has to get better, but even if it does, you're not going to win many games hitting a buck 87. They've got to get going really in all facets here if they want to make the playoffs. Kyle, what have you uh, thought in the um, the early stages of uh, Tatis moving to the outfield? I mean, just to, pretty impressive. Someone with is just as much uh, athleticism and ability to just say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm a little banged up, but yeah, we can just uh, instead of being like a star-studded shortstop, I can move to the outfield and still be." pretty competent what have you seen from him out there and just kind of his overall health where do you think he stands like he type of guy who you know he goes over six but then he hits the the big home run last night to, to tie things up still has some flash is he how healthy is he how how is he doing right now how's he doing in the outfield yeah so far so good I, again he's definitely done a nice job in terms of making all the plays he should uh, his first start in center field there were a couple of long drives off the bat of luke williams with the phillies he ran down going back to the wall going into the gap those are not easy plays for a guy who's never played center field before in his life so it is impressive to see how quickly he's picked it up and you know it's helped him avoid injuries he hasn't really had to dive for a ball yet or run into a wall yet and that's really the thing you want to see is if he is throwing himself against the wall then it's not really going to keep him any healthier than when he was at shortstop but the way he's playing it, it yeah it can help keep him healthy and so far he's done a, a very very impressive job when you consider he's never played the outfield before in his life yeah, I have a question that's kind of more of a your gut feeling. Maybe you've heard something, but just kind of your gut feeling because the interesting thing about that move is I I I think that Tatis is terrific all around, but he had made some mistakes fielding the position of shortstop, maybe a little bit more frequent mistakes than uh, than he had like. I think there's two ways to look at it, right? Which is he's got better range, he could get to more balls. And he's got a, a strong arm, so he feels he can get to anything and throw anybody out. So that naturally causes more errors. But is there a, any sense or gut feeling, like I said, that they're kind of happy to move him, that they have an excuse to now to move him to outfield and not offend their star player by keeping him at shortstop? Is that like a nutty thought by me, or is there any inkling of truth to that? Yeah, I'd say it's more a situation that's more about the health. If he was healthy, he'd still be playing shortstop. They obviously want to make sure he becomes more reliable. In 2019, his rookie year, he was not reliable enough. He really put the work in in 2020 and was really, really good. And then this year, a lot of the errors you saw were a reflection of his shoulder just not being where it needs to be. Remember, he first heard it in spring training. This has been bothering him all year. Shortstop is his. Now he needs to come back and show, A, he's healthy next year, and B, more reliable than he was if he continues to throw the ball away or if he continues to get hurt. 
then maybe you start talking about putting him in the outfield long term. Uh, but this is solely a health thing, and the expectation is, you know, look, he's going to need surgery after the season. He gets the surgery, comes back healthy, puts in the work. If everything clicks like it should, shortstop should still be his for the long term. Kyle, the Dodgers are, they have a very comfortable cushion for uh, the first wild card spot. There's 11 games between them and the next team, which is the Reds. Have you ever seen that kind of gap in this wild card era? It's pretty sizable. Nothing. Yeah, nothing jumps to mind right away. Um, and again, it's a testament to how strong the National League West is coming into the year. A lot of people thought it would be the best division in baseball, mostly because of the Dodgers and Padres. It has been the best division in baseball. It's just because of the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, I think in any other division, you look and you say, yeah, this Dodgers team, I mean, they would be in first place. Um, they're just playing against the Giants team for whom everything is clicking right now, or going up against them, I should say. So, yeah, the Dodgers are a cinch to make the playoffs. I'm Again, off the top of my head, I can't think of another team with this big of a gap, but uh, just a testament to how good they are. This is still the World Series contender we thought they were before the year. Yeah, it's absolutely. Kind of, it's a little interesting to me with the way the dynamic is for both of these two teams um, in the West because you're going to have you – could, you could very likely have the second-best team in baseball in a situation where they're, they're in a one-game play-in. To to for, to win or go home, um, and that would be for for either of these teams. Just kind of putting that in perspective, like the Dodgers, obviously that that's what scares me the most as a Dodger fan is just that one game. I honestly feel very confident about any team in a series with the Dodgers' talent that they'd be able to wear them down. And if they don't, like that would you know what? Then then whoever beat them would be very deserving of it. In a one-game situation, how scary would it be for either the Dodgers or let's say they even jump the Giants and the Giants have this incredible year where they may have the second-best team and second-best record in baseball, and then they have to stare a one-game playoff where they may not have as good of a, a you know, maybe just a, a, a stud starter to go and try to, to lock things down. That would be a really pretty crappy way for for a Giants team who's been so good through this year. It's just it's going to be very fascinating to see which of those two teams and the pressure that they're going to be in in that game. Yeah, I mean, that's why, again, you got to win your division. The Dodgers and Giants have three more games in San Francisco, September 3rd to 5th, and that's going to be crucial right there. Obviously, they have to win their games down the stretch, but those head-to-head matchups are so critical, especially when a race is this tight. And that could be the point where the Dodgers climb ahead of the Giants. It could be the point where the Giants separate from the Dodgers. And in terms of the wild card game, again, no one wants to be in the wild card game. I think if you're the Dodgers, you feel a little better about it than the Giants would, just because mm-hmm. you can throw potentially Walker Bueller or Max Scherzer or Clayton yeah. Kershaw or some of these elite elite pitchers in major league baseball whereas the giants starting pitching options are a little more limited um but at the end of the day it's perfectly in both these teams control to win the division and if they don't it's kind of it is what it is and they got a deal hey let's have some fun with this kyle since we know it's going to happen between one of these two teams having to play that game if kyle is the manager of either one of these teams do you set up the following series with the assumption that you're going to win this one game. And what I mean by that is setting up the rotation the way you want it, starting game one, and then seeing where that leaves you for that wild card game. Because I've seen it to where you kind of go into this wild card game 
throwing everything you got because you got to win. It's a must win. But then it really messes you up for the following uh, series. So what would you do? Would you be more focused on, hey, if we don't win, we're going home? Or do you look at it like, hey, we're going to win this game. Let's set it up the way we want it to be set up for an entire series. You have to win that game. I mean, if you don't win that game, there's no point in setting it up. Put your best pitcher on the mound and let him go. Uh, the best, you know, healthy, rested pitcher. I mean, obviously, you don't want to start a guy on two or three days rest just because he's your number one in the wild card game. But, yeah, get your best guy on the mound and, and let him go and worry about the division series later. You have to win that one game. Okay, so who 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 gets who's going to be the guy for the Giants and who's going to be the guy for the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean the Giants. It's Kevin Gosman again, assuming the way the season ends, everything lines up, and then they line him up for that uh, game. But if you know all else is equal, that's the guy that if you're the Giants, you want on the mound with your season on the line, given how he's pitched for them this year. And for the Dodgers, it's kind of an interesting discussion because you have so many options. But Walker yeah. Buehler is is their best pitcher right now. He's you know again Kershaw's on the IL. He should be back before the end of the year. We have to see what that looks like, but. I mean, again, Max Scherzer is, is a Hall of Famer who is, is going to be a force for the Dodgers in the postseason. But Walker Buehler is their guy. He's their best pitcher right now, and he's the guy you put on the mound if you have one game to win. I think it's a nice, like you said, the Dodgers in this in that situation, just they're just set up a little bit better because hey, you go into that game and for whatever reason you throw Bueller, you want to bring even you you feel later in the game you have to whatever it's a tie game you're going into extras you need to bring Scherzer or someone in like that you've still got uh, Urias that you can you you know they have a lot of options guys that they can still start and then you can bring them back later in the series so yeah I mean you got to win that game but for the Dodgers it. They wouldn't be in a bad situation, no matter, I think, how they came out of that wild card game, as long as they won, obviously, and were able to set themselves up in a series. So it, it'll be fun. And just as we're talking, it's like you look up, and this is how it's been for the Giants all year long. It's like top of the first, Chris Bryant, two-run home run. They're up 2 nothing. You know, and it's just like, that's just the way it almost feels like every game, you know, top of the first or two innings in, they're up to nothing. And then it just kind of, it, it just makes everything a little bit easier when you're up to the down to the way you can set things up, the way you can kind of, you know, play. They, they're one of the few teams that seems to kind of play smart baseball. They don't make a lot of mistakes and they're going to be tough to run down. Yeah, I mean, look, the Giants have the best record in baseball. That doesn't happen by accident. They lead the majors in home runs, which when you consider the ballpark they play in is kind of insane. Uh, they're top five. They're ahead of the Dodgers in OPS. I mean, this is a very, very dangerous team with a very, very good lineup with a lot of different options who can hurt you. Like you said, uh, they they committed a bunch of mistakes yesterday against the Mets in a performance that was very un-Giants-like, but... Aside from that, they really don't hurt themselves. And we see now there's just so much sloppy baseball played today. If you just play clean baseball, that alone puts you at an advantage against a lot of teams out there. You add in a deep lineup that can hit home runs with anyone and and go bang. Yeah, you're in a really, really good position. So before we let you go here, Kyle, uh, I didn't give you a credit for, I believe it was two playoffs ago. So this is long overdue. You actually ran the table for the first round of playoff matchups when he asked when we asked for your predictions so congratulations it's two years late uh but good work there so now that i put all this pressure on you out the door here a quick handicap is it giants or dodgers to win the west 
Is it Reds or Padres to win the wild card spot? I've got the Dodgers winning the West. I still think this is the best team. Um, they're getting healthier. I still think when all is said and done at the end of the season, we're going to see them in first place in the West. And second and a wild card spot, it's got to be the Reds. I mean, we've talked about it. The Padres are trending in the wrong direction in so many different ways, and the Reds are trending in the right direction. They've added to their bullpen. They've had some of their guys who got the slow starts really turn it around, Luis Castillo being among them. They have this giant hole at shortstop, and Kyle Farmer has come out and posted an OPS of nearly 900 since July 1st while playing above-average defense, which no one saw coming. The Reds are a team right now for whom everything seems to be clicking, and the Potters are a team right now for whom everything seems to be going wrong. Uh, it's possible that reverses here over the final six weeks of the season, but I think it's hard to say it will happen just the way things have been trending recently. Kyle, excellent stuff as always. You'd mentioned something about working on a piece uh, this week or, or last night. Where? What are you working on? Where can we read your work? And give us your social media handle as we close up this segment here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BaseballAmerica.com, tons of great stuff up there. We also have our monthly magazine, Baseball America. You can subscribe now. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Kyle A. Glazer. And uh, what we had going, uh, just what came out today, actually, was every year at Baseball America, we do a, a best tools survey where we survey every manager, American League and National League, in the major league and ask them who they think the best hitters are, best fastball, best breaking ball, best slider, you know, fastest base runner, best base runner, everything and everything, everything and anything. That's up online. And what I was working on was a feature on Shohei Otani and breaking down his tools because what we're seeing from him is truly unprecedented and amazing in every way. I've also got a feature on Bryce Harper coming up. It's his 10th major league season after being pretty much the most hyped draft prospect ever. Uh, so kind of taking a look at where his career is and what still is left and how he's lived up to expectations so far. I'm, I'm plugging away at that one and hope to have that turned into my editor by the end of this week. Great stuff, Kyle. Thank you as always. Thanks so much, Appreciate Kyle. having you on and, we're going to see if your predictions come through again, and maybe if you've got time, we'll have you join us uh, right before the playoff round. we got a lot of handicappers and, and guys who want to maybe throw down a quick 20 spot on some of these games. Kyle's the man, I'll tell you that firsthand. Kyle, thank you so much, my friend. Hey, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Check out Kyle Glazer's work, Baseball America. If you're a baseball fan, you will love it. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a quick commercial timeout. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Big thank you to Kyle for uh, helping us out, talking some baseball with us there, and talked all about that crazy game last night where the... uh, do you agree with those predictions, by the way? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you agree with those uh, assessments, um, the Giants, Dodgers, Reds, and Padres? Yeah, I do still think the Dodgers are going to wear the uh, the Giants down. Um, you know, you maybe you just win two out of three in that series against them. Isn't it crazy? That the Dodgers have won 11 out of 12 games and are still two and a half back. That's nuts. <laughs> That's crazy that you can't make up more ground. The Giants just keep winning and... They they play good baseball and they're a good team and you, you you know you look at a lot of their metrics but when you watch a lot of their games you'll see it's like yesterday against the Mets they had bases loaded the Mets had bases loaded down three to two in the bottom of the ninth with Pete Alonso up you know and it's not just a base hit wins the game and they had a couple opportunities when they got the bases loaded just to to win the game and they can't uh, they seem like sometimes when this happens it's a team that's meant to be. You know, uh, and, and you, you just don't know, but I do think Mookie's going to be back now um, today. I believe they activated Mookie, or they're they're going to. And um, Kershaw, the last report on him a couple days ago was actually very good in his bullpen session. So maybe another week or so, and that's you know, this team is going to be in a situation where uh, Cody Bellinger is probably not going to be playing. To be honest, because if you have Mookie back now, this lineup is very stacked, and. Somebody has to has to be the odd man out, and right now, AJ Pollock's playing, Chris Taylor's playing, um, you know Trey Turner's playing, Bellinger unfortunately is probably going to be the uh, the one out. So I I think the Padres are just bad, and they're in a bad spot right now. They're in a bad spot, and the Reds seem a little bit hotter, just like they've got the yeah the better vibe. So I would agree. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Dodgers, Reds, or Giants and Reds. And if you're the Giants, like, I just got a weird feeling the Giants are going to have this great season for most of it, end up briefly losing to the Dodgers and then getting knocked right out. That would just be, that would just be a bummer. Because they played so well all throughout the year, but it's like, they're not supposed to be quite this good. They they do still have in a lot of metrics that you look at, like the luck wins that a lot of the advanced sites have. There's because of the way they win close games and some of the way they've won, there's probably like four or five games in there that they should have lost that they ended up winning that may even out at some point or come playoff time. But sometimes teams just completely are wrong on the projections. I just, I can't see this team beating the Brewers and then the Dodgers or the Dodgers and then the Brewers in series back to back with the way that those two teams can pitch. Yeah, I mean, 
it's definitely going to be tough. You know, you're talking about the one-game playoff and that it's going to stink for somebody for sure if they get bounced, right? So we know that between the Dodgers and the Giants, one t- one of those teams is going to be in a one-game make-it-or-break-it, win-or-go-home type situation. But here's what I'll tell you. At least with this format, we get to see it. Because there's one division race, and I do know that we have some Giants fans, fans that are old enough to remember this. Back before they had the wild cards, Gino, it was pretty much you got to win your division. And there were two playoff teams from each league. And the Braves and Giants came down to the very last day in 1993. That was the year Barry Bonds had just signed with the Giants coming off his MVP season with the uh, Pirates. And the Braves win 104 games. The Giants win 103 games. The Braves win by one game in that division and go to the playoffs and the Giants go home. So do you see my point? At least we get a game. Whereas before it was pretty much, you finish second, have a nice winner. Even if you win 103 and, games, and we see, which, by the we, way, the Giants won more games than any other team in the majors that year outside of the Braves 104. And this has happened in sports forever. This used to happen in the old NCAA tournament where you only get one team per conference. And so you'd have sometimes like the two two of the best teams in the country in the same conference, but only one of them goes. We see it happen in football where, you know, like the divisions last year, it was the uh, the NFC East. That, you know, teams will have losing records and somebody else from a division that's got three or four good teams ends up getting left out. And not only that, that team ends up getting a home game because or, or also well, they're very bad. true. But also sometimes in the NFL it doesn't happen that often. But there's been times where like an 11 and five team doesn't go to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. The Patriots, the year remember the year Brady got hurt was and it was Matt Castle. I think they won 11 yep. games and didn't make the yep, playoffs. They sure did. Too. Um, they sure did. So yeah, it does so happen. It, You're right. It, so it's it's un, it's it's just definitely something that's unfortunate, and I think I think it stings the most in baseball because of 162 games. It's like you're telling me we were the second best team for 162 games, and now it's all coming down to nine innings for us to stay alive. Like I I got a feeling that whoever the team is in that situation, whether it's the Dodgers or the Giants, because they're Whoever wins the division, it's such a wide margin now. The other the other team will get the home game. You know, they'll be they'll have the home game there. I can almost guarantee that they're gonna be down two to nothing in the first inning. Whichever team it is. Just because that's the way baseball is. And it, it, the uh, the team will be on the road. They'll come out thinking they're going to be playing against a team that was much better than them all year. So if it's the Reds or even it's the Padres or whoever, they kind of feel like, oh, you know what? This is kind of a, we're not like, uh-oh, we shouldn't be here. We're like, oh, nice, we get a shot. We get a shot to beat this team that's been really good all year. I think the teams would come into those games with totally different mindsets. And I could just see it right now. Dodgers start Scherzer or Bueller, walk or first pitch, like a little Dinker, Texas leaguer, or an error, and then the next batter up, home run, and whoever it is, the Dodgers or Giants, they're down 2 nothing, And now your fan base is going, uh-oh. And you get that anxious feeling going, oh, no. And they start to climb back, and you got to get back into it. But, yeah, it's just, uh, it's 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 interesting. It's very intriguing, None, you know, to discuss, like you said, because if it was, um, if it was 
the olden days, one of these teams wouldn't even have the extra opportunity to win that game. Yeah, exactly right. Now, you mentioned a word that is has always been impossible to quantify, uh, but because baseball is so statistically driven, some websites and some formulas are able to put it in a numeric, like, boil it down type summary. And that's the word that you used, which is luck. So baseball reference and any baseball fan who has not been on baseball reference, check it out. It's got all the numbers you could possibly imagine for baseball. So they've got luck in their expanded standings, Gito. They've got luck as one of the categories, right? Wins, losses, runs for, runs against, all that kind of stuff. And they have a category of luck. So the Giants have a three. The Dodgers have a minus five. Yeah, think about that. So that's an eight-game swing. That's an eight-game swing. Yep. And that's that's the kind of thing all, all year, like the close games that the Dodgers have lost. It's one of those weird things that doesn't add up in the numbers, you know? Even just looking no, at the— No, and I'd, at, like, at the, I'd like to give it a little bit more context yeah. because you mentioned it. Now I'm mentioning it. Baseball reference, what they do is they take the difference between the actual win-loss records and the Pythagorean win-loss records to determine the luck factor. So that's how they do it. I know that they're, you, you look at some sites, you know, does it a little different, that different yeah. than that, mm-hmm. but, but that's but a they're very all interesting one. Similar. They, it's like, you know, it's a, similar to like how buyers or, or time form us figures, you yeah. know, like different, yep. different figures that use, like some of them use slightly different formulas, but for the most part, the numbers are all going to say pretty close to the same thing that they've, oh, they've exceeded their expectations. And that, it's funny because when you say that, people that are Giants fans get will get like really defensive. And I, I'm a Dodger fan, so they'll think like, oh, yeah, well, the Dodgers suck. It's like I'm not saying that the Giants suck. I'm saying that literally when you watch their games, most teams don't win that many close games. That's just the point of it. Like mo- they don't. And so the fact that they've been the gotten the benefit of the doubt in a lot of situations and the team directly chasing them has been the opposite. When you look at the Dodgers, like they won, I think their third extra inning game in a row, but they were one in twelve in extra inning games earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, they're still just four and twelve. Yeah, and they had won. They've won three in a row now. Um, so, like, you look at that. You look at how the Dodgers, how poor they are in close games, which doesn't make any sense for a team that's got really good pitching. People rip on the Dodgers bullpen. I think they have the second best bullpen ERA in the league. Um, it, they're, not, I don't know. And and the Dodgers bullpen recently has been like starting two or three games every five because they only have they've uh, Arias missed two starts he just came back and made his return yesterday so for about two or three weeks it was it was just Bueller and Scherzer since they got him um they didn't Kershaw's been out they you know they they May's been gone early in the year power's gone or Arias was just hurt so that bullpen ERA could have gotten lit up and they've been the opposite they've been really really good so um yeah it's it's just one of those head scratching things you kind of expect it to even out. Like I do still feel like the Giants probably have a five or six game losing streak coming up somewhere where they just have a, some tough losses. You know, a lot of two ones or three twos that went the other way for them, maybe kind of all in a row add up because they're not a bat. They they're a, a, you watch them and it you know it you you can get it. They just don't do stupid things, but it just seems like. So many things like are just go 
very well for them, go in their favor. They get the bounces almost every game. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And look, there are some numbers that you could kind of throw out the window when it comes to playoff times. And there are other numbers that you absolutely can um, maybe extract some quality information from. An example of something you throw out the window or like the historical stuff, especially in football, right? Like, you know, no team or this team hasn't whatever, you know, done something since 1908 or whatever. And it has nothing to do with the current roster or the coaching staff or the scheme or anything to do. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are kind of silly. Um, And there's some things that are just kind of fluky. So when I look at the Dodgers and I see that four and 12 extra inning record, I kind of put an asterisk by it because I'm not sure what to make of it. Because obviously they're a very good team, but how could you be a very good team and only win four out of 16 playoff, uh, extra inning games? And then I look over and see how they're doing. You said it, close games. They're 19 and 21 in one-run games. All right, I'm going to put a little star there because maybe they're so good they just blow out a lot of teams. And the only way that other teams can win is to eke out a one-run win. Right. And as long as the record is good, then that kind of proves my theory. Right. And they have a 630 winning percentage. They're winning 63% of the time and they have 80 wins, which is the second most in the majors behind the Giants. Okay. But then there is something that's very glaring, Gino. And this is going to be addressed this month and come playoff time. They are, they have the best record in the majors against teams under 500. They're 51 and 18, which is phenomenal. They're beating the teams they should beat. But they're 29 and 29 against 500 or above teams. And that, to me, would be a little bit worrisome. Now, let me contrast that with another team that's probably very underrated, which is the Astros. So while the Dodgers are 29 and 29 in such games, the Astros are 45 and 27. What do you make of that? Well, I I think it's sort of simple in that there are more teams in the American league above 500. (laughs) Like, look, I think there are just like, look at, look in the national league East. There's only one team above 500 there. Uh, right. In the central, the NL central, the Cardinals, I guess just are above 500 now, but they weren't even just a week or two ago. And in the, in the West, there are three teams, the American league. You actually have three teams in the, in the West. You have two teams in the central that have been above 500 the whole year. You have four teams in the East. I honestly just think that there are more bad, like in the national league, there have been some bad teams. Like the diamondbacks were horrible for a long period of time. The Rockies weren't very good. The pirates weren't very good. The Cubs have completely given up. The Marlins haven't been good. The the nationals completely gave up. So I think those are the teams that are just, I think it stands out more. Like if the Dodgers had a losing record, it wouldn't bother me as much, but the thing again against 500, that's a weird thing because I see it with the Lakers a lot in basketball, but like teams go above and below 500 kind of quickly. So I'm supposed to be more impressed that the Dodgers beat the Cardinals who are three games over 500 than the Mets who are three games under, you know, I just think that's kind of a sort of like an arbitrary number to put a line in the sand. I do think that all of those things together though, are, it's not nothing. The the three things you pointed out, I think when you put them together, it is something. And it has felt like as a Dodger fan through a lot of the year that there was a lot of the games where it's like, uh, you can feel it that they're not going to win this game, even though they should. 
It's like you yeah, got the bases no, loaded I find that and nobody out. Though, because when you mentioned that there are way more 500 teams in the American League, well, then wouldn't that suggest that the Astros being, what is that? Uh, they're just more of them to play, is my point. Yeah, but the, look at how many games over 500 they are against those teams. So they're 18 games above, even though they're playing essentially better competition, right? Whereas the Dodgers are 500. So I was less focused on like the number of wins, you know, and more so how, how did you fare against them? Now, with all that said, Dodgers have won nine out of their last 10, 16 out of their last 20, 21 out of their last 30. They're doing what they got to do. That's why I said it's going to be put up or shut up time because we're going to get to see really what they're made of in September and on into the playoffs. And they're going to have think, to be good teams. Yeah, and I do point. think there is something to be said for, you know, a team like the Dodgers and the Astros get it a little bit too because people don't like them. But, um, Team like the Dodgers, you get your best shot every night. Absolutely. Every night. Like every bad team or or pitcher that just gets called up from the minors or, you know, you know you're going to be on like big TV a lot of times, national TV games, you know. So that's why I like, you know, I as a fan of a good team, I just like winning. You know, I as a team, like when I, I'm I'm a little concerned about some of those things you mentioned, but as, as soon as the playoffs start, if this team's healthy with the way they're set up, I probably don't really have a lot of those concerns because I still feel like they're set up as well as anybody with what they have. But I 100% agree with all of those things you mentioned. That's why I'm so nervous about that one game because of the close games and how they've struggled. On paper, they should dominate whoever, right? Like you said, Bueller, Scherzer, no problem. You're going to start one of those guys. You have your bullpen set up, whatever you need to do. Maybe you throw Bueller and Scherzer if you need to. Who knows? You go all – but there's just been something weird about that, that – needing that. I think getting back into the lead in the division will, will sort of make this team kind of not press themselves as much, and they'll feel really, really good about it. So it's going to be yep. fun, man. Yeah, it sure is. I want to actually hit on that a little bit more. Let's take a uh, commercial that we're very overdue for. We'll come back, and I want to kind of spend a little bit more time on this very subject matter, and then uh, we'll talk a little NFL talk as we close out the final segment of the Mike Abadir Show. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. Uh, a lot of baseball talk, and we'll be transitioning in the next couple of weeks, and a lot more football will be on the horizon, but it's a fun time to be talking baseball. And, uh, Mike, we've been talking a lot about the Dodgers and what's been going on uh, on the, the West Coast, but over on the East Coast, the Yankees don't lose anymore. No, they, they really don't lose they anymore. They just decided not to lose. They, they've been on an absolute roll. Um, I guess – I do want to say one more thing. Sure. It was more applicable to the Dodgers, but it really applies to any of these teams that are going to be in that one game playoff scenario. Now I'd ask Kyle Glazer if he was the manager, is he more concerned about you don't have tomorrow if you don't win today? Or do you go into it saying, let's play this out by assuming we're we're going to win today and setting it up for the series? Now, here's why I don't completely agree with Kyle, okay? Now, hear me out on this one. Let's say, let's take the Dodgers. And you've got two excellent options in Scherzer and Bueller. But let's say game one, let's say you'd rather have Walker Bueller, okay? But let's say game one of the next series, Bueller is better than Scherzer against those two opponents, I don't think it matters whatsoever. Like, let's say dramatically better. You, you know how there's always like a team or two that like, just for whatever reason, Kershaw does bad against or so-and-so I don't think it matters against. what, like, you you definitely worry a lot more about what's after the one game than I think I would. I, I, would I do. And Kyle does. I do, because only I because don't... I've seen so many teams get bounced. And when you look back at it, it's because it wasn't set up the right way. And but, but, that, but has a, that has a ripple effect, right? Because then you go to your bullpen earlier, and then you get into like that, one long extra innings game. That's probably why you were in the wild card to begin with. That's true. Be- because your team isn't deep enough to get there. You don't have enough starters, or you don't have enough bullpen to get there. And if even if a team like the Dodgers, like if they get there, and they, and they can't win that game, that one game. With like seven innings from Bueller and their two bullpen guys to come out and win that game, and then come right back and have Scherzer, Urias, and then Kershaw, and then Bueller. You know, if they like, they don't deserve to win as a fan. You know what I mean? Like, I will not, they, I can't make any excuse at all about them not being set up well. If they get 
injuries are different, right? Like, I mean, but I for me, it would just be like I wouldn't even mind throwing if let's say you threw Bueller to one one, it's going, it's like in the eleventh inning. And now now you're starting to get worried because you used like Kenley, Trennan, Knable, maybe your three or four best arms out of the bullpen. You don't want to go to somebody else in the bullpen. Hell, you bring in Scherzer and you just go, hey, we got Urias to start game one if we have to, or Kershaw, you know? So I think other teams might not be in a great spot, but even even then, like, you just, I, I don't know if you can worry not when you when it's no guarantee. And and I, I wouldn't be worried, like, for the Dodgers, like, I, I don't think that could be an excuse for them, period. Yeah, fair enough. I did see one team kind of implement that, and I'm trying to think of who it was. I'll, uh, I'll see if I could look it up uh, and have it for you guys next week. Uh, and they, they end up going to, and maybe you remember this, Gino, they went to a bullpen game to kind of save their guy for the next game. And I really can't remember now if they won that bullpen game or not. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, it might have been the A's or the Rays. One, Somebody, someone, yeah. yeah, I think it was yeah. maybe in the Rays. They tried that. And I think the issue there was, you know, their guy was going to have one less day of rest. And I think they were thinking, you know what? Let's give him his full complement of resting days and start him in game one, even though he was clearly the best choice. You got to wonder if the Yankees are in that spot, what do they do with Cole, right? Uh, right I, I now, it might be Italian. <laughs> it might be Italian right it now. It might be Italian. Eight and one in his last nine starts. His ERA is a 2.01. Well, and there you go. That's one of the big reasons why, as you started this segment talking about the Yankees being so hot, that's a big reason for it. They found their number two guy, and that's so hugely valuable, especially when your number one is kind of slipping a little bit, right? And then, and then they get good innings from Cortez, uh, who's got, helped them out of the bullpen. But, like, he'll give you four or five. He can't really go three times through the lineup. But um, now all of a sudden you've got two and a half, you know. And then how about the Gill, the kid they brought up? It was it had been incredible in some of his starts. So it's weird. It's weird how things flip. And even even for Boston, what's what's unfortunate is, like, you got Sale back, and he's been good. He's been as good as you could have ex- expected or hoped Hasn't for given up a run in his games. Like he's been, you know, he's gotten out of, he's in, in both games. There were situations where he had some, like some runners on and he had to kind of get himself out of some trouble, which was great. You know, you love to see that. Like it, it wasn't just complete smooth sailing, but it was pretty dominant in both stretches. And uh, I, it's, it's crazy how it's flipped for uh, what a Red Sox team just now three games, I think behind the Yankees. Yeah, Jason. seven and a half. But you're still in the actual wild card as of right now because the A's have really been struggling themselves, which is it. They've lost four straight. Uh, they're they've only won two of their last ten games. So right now, if the uh, if the playoffs started today, we'd be in a situation where it'd be the Yankees against the Red Sox in a one game playoff <laughs> to get into the playoffs. How that fun would, would that be? Absolutely be? nutty. Nutty, nutty. And we did see it between division rivals a few years ago with the Rockies and the Dodgers. So uh, it's not without precedent, that's for sure. But the historic implications, the history coming into this game, et cetera, would uh, make it really, really, really a a fun game, I think. Very stressful one, probably, for both fan bases. A lot of ish talking between the two cities. That'll, That'll be a lot of fun. The AL East does remind me a lot of the NL West in that there are three good teams uh, in each and that the top two teams have really, really separated themselves 
from the rest of the pack. And I'd say outside of maybe the White Sox and the Astros, who both have less wins than the Rays and equal number of wins, although the Yankees have a better record than the White Sox, if you could believe that, uh, and a better record, uh, actually half game from the Astros. Very similar to the Giants, Dodgers, and the, the Padres in, in that sense, except the Boston Red Sox are maybe faring a little bit better than the Padres right now. The Red Sox, at least, are still 16 games above 500, despite a poor stretch where they've only won 12 out of their last 30 games. And so they are the beneficiary of having the best record in baseball for quite a long time. Um, so as a fan, I'm kind of thinking that they could only get better from here. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think they're going to go win 12 out of their next 30 games, Gino. No, 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 not at all. It, it, and 12 out of 30, by the way, would, would put them at 86 wins. And traditionally, the 90-win mark has been at least a threshold for you should be a playoff team if you get to 90, especially with the number of playoff teams we have now, right? Yep, and they're going to probably end up sort of right where we thought they were. You know, like they'll probably going to end up pretty close to where we had projected in the in that, you know, mid 80s to 90, probably 90 wins. And the it, the only difference with them is is it's sort of like the opposite of the Giants right now is that the way the Giants were throughout a lot of the early part of the year, Boston was like that. Like somebody would score two runs in the first inning against Boston and then all of a sudden the Red Sox would come back and score four right away and just be like, nope. Nope. You know, they just, they, they, and I'm not saying they were getting lucky, but they, their pitchers were all pitching pretty well. The bullpen, that's where Barnes, oh my gosh, you know, like he was unbelievable early in the year and is just a completely different guy right now. They're just a lot of those little things, the way the ball's bouncing, even specifically the game that we mentioned. I know we only got about a minute or two left um, from, from yesterday where the Red Sox were down four, nothing. They come back in the bottom of the ninth. It's four, four. You, you think no doubt they're going to just win this game. They go to extra innings, and then in the, the top of the 10th, the Twins score five. And yeah. all of a sudden, it's 9-4. It's just like a month or two ago, that, that wouldn't have happened. They, you would have won No, you're game. exactly right about that. And and that's why I say I think the next stretch is going to be pretty good. You mentioned mm-hmm. Sale. Uh, he is in the third inning right now. No hits uh, against the uh, Minnesota Twins. Red Sox are up 3-0 on one hit. Um, so... Well, let's see. Let's see if Chris Sale, uh, the Red Sox can win behind him one more time. Then it becomes something more of a uh, reality than a hope. So three games is enough sample size for me to say the guy's back. And uh, and I think he is. Uh, four strikeouts now in two and a third innings. So we'll see how that goes. We didn't have any time to talk any NFL today, but that's because we're going to do our NFL preview show, predictions, etc., Gino's got a busy fall lineup. We'll talk about that a little bit and much, much more, G. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks again to uh, Kyle for helping us out. We'll uh, we'll do our, our predictions uh, next week. We'll give you our, our division winners, Super Bowl winners, some MVP stuff. We're only going to be a week out from the NFL season. Can't wait, man. That's all the time we have for today's show. We thank everyone for listening. We thank our guest, Kyle Glazer, from Baseball America. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.